Would you uh, would you like to introduce, or would you like me to introduce, or? Uh, Marion, you can introduce if you want. I think I did it last time. All right. Well, welcome to another um, uplifting episode of Weakness for Bleakness, dear mm-hmm. listener, mm-hmm. or listeners. I am Darcy Moran, and sitting across the uh, airwaves, the um, broadband that uh, links us mm-hmm. is Kieran Stevenson. Hello, Bleakers. You'll notice the rich uh, bass response heavy uh, sound of me using a real microphone this week. And the tinny and ghastly sound of me using a cheap gaming headset. Yeah, desperately trying to uh, get through the sentences when you can hear your own echo. And we can hear it as well, actually, a little bit. Oh, can you? That's good. It's incredibly unpleasant. Mm. Yeah, I apologize for that. I'm working on solutions. <laughs> I know we have a, uh, a couple of listeners who actually work in the music industry and are used to proper production values. This mm. must be especially painful for them. Well, I mean, it's not music. No, but it's still uh, a sonic assault. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, well, I mean, fuck. Theme song? Yeah. Mm. A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. And all these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you're spent. Well, just to come, the captain said, the icebergs are the dead ahead, the men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me, when workers philanthropically believe in the economy. But what a feast for tired eyes, the poison earth, the boiling skies, and everyone their own damn spies, remember when the world was wise, we know, no, 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 no. Um... Yeah, all right. Uh, what are we talking about this week, Darcy? <laughs> How have you been? How's your your uh, lockdown going? Well, the uh, the old university's got its act together. Mm-hmm. Remote study is fine. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. uh, perfectly ideal for the group assignment setup, but oh fuck no, I bet not. <laughs> Other than that, it's pretty good. No, again. I've, uh, Possibly, um, father and I would have plumped for a slightly larger flat if we'd known this was coming. Yeah, <laughs> I did wonder Maybe about that. Maybe something with a balcony. I have wondered about that <laughs> idly from time to time, how you and your dad are getting on. <sighs> well, fortunately, uh, dad's a Buddhist, so... Ah, good. One of the better religions for isolation so what how like practically what's what's your day-to-day look like do you spend most of your time in your room or in the living room or um it depends on how much noise is coming from the building side next door Uh. (laughs) because they've started a wonderful extensive renovation yeah. Just as quarantine kicked off. This is fucking wild, man. It's happening here too. Like I've always joked how there's always a house undergoing some sort of renovation or improvement in this fucking street. And uh 
down the road, there's a crew of fucking weird gangly like painter dudes who are still just working on this house. Yeah, it's uh, the worst thing about being surrounded by poshos. Mm. They're constantly fiddling with their houses. Yeah. Insane, this dude with his fucking two crew members getting together. It makes, and then, yeah, I don't know. You go for your daily exercise walk so he sees you every day and it's not <laughs> not ideal. No. How are you and Mads coping? Uh, not too badly. We were going to go drive to the bush for a walk, but we decided not to do that because it came, we were going to do it the day that those new restrictions came in place. Uh, we'll put it oh, in place. Yeah. So we went to a park and did a walk uh, <clears throat> and only later found out that we probably would have been harassed by the fascist cops anyway. <laughs> but we're being very responsible. We're, Mads has a studio to work in, so she's lucky in that regard. Uh, it's just like a two-person big warehouse so she can observe all of the social distancing stuff and get work done. That's good. Oh, that's uh, That's good. Last night after work, we uh, lit up the barbecue, had some delicious uh, chicken wings and zucchini and corn and listened to records and drank wine. It was, nice. uh, it was oddly oddly relaxing. It's like that, uh, that first act resting point in a disaster movie where they uncover a dusty case of beer in the burnt out shack and, you know, have one night of revelry and then they're woken up the following morning by cannibals, but... Uh, you know, that's about where we're at. Well, that's uh, better than most. Mm-hmm. I ordered drums, Darcy. I ordered, ele- ordered electronic drums. drums. Electronic drums, and they arrived yesterday, but they arrived without a rack, uh, so I can't set them up uh, due to a mistake on the on the on the shop's part. And let me tell you, this is like a normal setback that normally I would take in stride and I wasn't quite prepared for how frustrated I would get by it in this age of quarantine. No. I think I was really holding on to the hope of novelty there. (laughs) But we'll see. The rack will come eventually. Well, my pyjamas finally arrived. Oh, nice. Are they good? They're a week late, but mm. they're wonderful. I think Australia Post was caught a bit unprepared. Yeah. For the scale of online demand. It's interesting that all of these uh, institutions that have just had fucking cut after cut uh, seem to be kind of struggling with this whole thing, huh? Isn't it? As if, uh, if you remove any sort of slack from the system then there's no space available for crises. Yeah, yeah, it is odd. We've just been hearing about all of the arts organisations that have have, uh, had their funding cut or, like, not approved, Australia Council funding not approved, which includes, like, the Sydney Review of Books and the Wheeler Centre and stuff, like, quite big quite big fucking organizations so it's good to know that the arts community will be even further impoverished by this whole thing yes Mm. well the premier's time's quite taken up um 
with fracking and deforesting. Yeah, that's true. He's a busy man, Dandrews. He's a very busy little bastard. Who would have thought a year ago that Daniel Andrews' authoritarian streak would become so relevant? Other than just increasing police power and shit, all of the boilerplate stuff. He's thrown semi-automatic weaponry, hasn't he? 300 uh, assault rifles. Really? Yeah. Why? Why assault rifles? What does that have to do with the... Can you shoot the fucking virus? Is it that big now? I think he just enjoys it. Yeah. This uh, this entire government administration is devoted to restoring Daniel Andrews' um, virility. Yeah. Is he a tanky? Is that what's going on? Like, he's not far enough left to be a proper tanky, but... No. Where is Where does this impulse come from, this cop impulse? He's just a authoritarian capitalist. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, not homophobic. Yeah, true. De- therefore, seems to be staggeringly modern. <laughs> yeah, the best, the best of us. Hmm. Cool, so what's Did, up? Um, I, I, I have to be honest, I have very little interest in uh, parading up and down contemporary events. Yeah, me too, man. I I thought we might discuss cultural artifacts. Okay, sure. What did you have in mind? Well, I've returned recently to the Lord of the Rings... And Middle Earth at large, yeah, both uh, in print and uh, film. Yeah, I can see the appeal of that, man. There's something about going to a time or like settings that aren't fucking technological at all. There's some strange appeal there at the moment. There is, and uh, especially. When you look at things like The Hobbit. Yeah. Something quite refreshing about uh, the innocence of the world. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, things are just necessary. Even when things are on a large scope, things are on a smaller scope, like an individual kind of in those settings can fucking moor themselves to the ground somehow, but that's fucking impossible now. It is, isn't it? I found myself, Darcy, like, hearing about... I've never been... Like, I history interests me to a degree, but I've never been a huge history buff or anything. And I keep finding myself uh, hearing about people from, like, fucking the Dark Ages or whatever. Uh, Like, Thomas Wycliffe was the last one. And realising how much information there is and being like, maybe I could just become a weird history nerd and just become extremely well-versed on one small topic, like life in a 13th century British uh, hamlet or something. And just learn everything (laughs) there is to learn about that one little thing and thereby gain some sort of power over, I don't know, 
my destiny. I don't know how that bit works out, but it's an instinct. Look, I adore uh, history. Yeah, you are a history guy. It's a very funny topic. Uh, but also very sad, of course. Yeah, doubtless. So, what have you? Have you? You've been watching the movies and reading the books again. How much? What have you gotten through? I've gotten through. Well, so before university reconvened, mm. I managed to get through The Hobbit and a good chunk of The Rings. Yeah. And I've redone the feature films. Yeah. And I got to say, I like. Uh, the Lord of the Rings far less than I did uh, when I watched it in the cinema. Yeah, I've been wondering about that because I've been tempted to to go back and give it a revisit. But they're good films, mm. but Jacko screws up um, a couple of very important points. I see you've got because a, they yeah. well they go to the heart of what the ring actually is, mm. um, which he sort of said that he had to dispense with for um, pacing purposes. Yeah. Which is ironic when you go to watch The Hobbit that takes 12 hours, is jam-packed with superfluous invented scenes and characters. Mm. Yeah. The Hobbit thing is a fucking trip to me. The I've only seen the first Hobbit movie. Uh, with what's his face in it? Uh, what's his name again? Um, Dame Martin Freeman. Oh, Martin Freeman. Yeah, but I'm thinking of the the Dame Ed- Edna guy. Uh, Barry Humphreys. Barry Humphreys as, as the Goblin. As King. the Goblin King. Yeah. So I've seen that one. I don't understand the impulse to expand it to three movies, but I also haven't seen them, so well, I don't want to. I'm in a happy, or rather, a very unhappy position to tell you that I have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and a hundred percent worth it, I assume. Oh look, it depends how attached you are to um, the idea of adaptations being uh, a part of. The original art, you know. Oh yeah, not very. Then, probably it's harmless. Yeah, well, harmless uh, is damning with faint praise, isn't it? Yeah, well, they're not good. Yeah, that's kind <laughs> of the, <laughs> the the principal question, isn't it? I mean, not for everybody, I guess. They um, in the second film, I think it is they bring in Evangeline Lilly to play a elf called uh, Toriel mm. who doesn't exist at all in the books yeah. and who uh, has a reciprocal romantic relation with Aiden Turner's Keeley character. Yeah. Uh, dwarves and elves um, can't actually fall in love with each other mm. because they are not created by the same divine force, you see. Ah, yes. So it's uh, actually f- a physical impossibility within yeah. the universe that the stories are said. Well, that kind of thing maybe bothers me a little bit. Uh, but it also adds 
an enormous amount of screen time and absolutely no story. Yeah. Which is my main problem with it. Well, that does seem like a tedious thing to sit through, whether you care about the uh, faithfulness of the adaptation or not. Oh, it's fucking stupid. Mm. And they've got this ridiculous... uh, Well, you remember Azog the Defiler, who's the sort of the pale orc. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's a completely stupid character Mm. who ruins the pacing of the story. Well, yeah. I mean, you can't just take an existing story and then put a new antagonist in there. Well, not if you're going to make them central to the plot. Yeah, and expect it to really hold up without significant fucking alteration. Yeah. Just so. An interesting impulse. So what do you have left to do in your Lord of the Rings regression? Just um, given what he decided to include in The Hobbit, yeah, it makes it very interesting to me what Jacko decided to remove from The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Which was, of course, Tom not necessarily the character of Tom Bombadil, but oh, the you role actually of were. Tom Bombadil. Yeah. Now, there's a good pacing argument for cutting him him from the story. Yeah. But Tom's character gives a really important insight into what the ring actually is. Mm. Because all throughout the story, as it's uh, seen on screen, we're told that it's this kind of great, absolute, irresistible evil that will always corrupt the soul of the wearer. Yeah. Um, But from Tom Bombadil we learn that that isn't, in fact, the case. Yeah. And that the ring's power is limited to those who desire power themselves. Yeah. It's a fine distinction. It's a very fine distinction, but it's a really important one. Yeah. And they could, I think, have adapted that with the character of Faramir, who we meet in the second film. Yeah. Um, except that Jackson decided to completely desecrate that character mm. for God knows what reason. He said it's because we've, um, he needed character development, mm. but he doesn't because yeah. he's not a prominent enough character. Yeah. The hobbits are the only ones who need character development. Well, them and... Aragorn, I guess, although he doesn't really develop so much as you learn more about He him. just gets cleaner. Yeah. You know, he starts wearing nicer clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, like, I don't think... When I think back on, <clears throat> on the stories, I don't think of Faramir as having... Like, I know he's there. I know he's important. I know that he's, like, a big uh, part of, like, Boromir's motivation and stuff. But I don't really think of him as being super central. He's not. He's peripheral. His main um, purpose in the plot is to show that there's a certain kind of humble goodness that isn't susceptible to the corruption of the ring. Yeah. Yeah. So both times Peter Jackson had the chance to iterate this message, he... Didn't take it. 
Um, and he didn't really explore it much with Sam either. Mm. So in that sense, I think it's actually quite a bad adaptation. Interesting. Because it changes the fundamental property of the fundamental heart of the story, which is this artifact. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way before. I'll maybe I'll rewatch them and see if I can bring myself to give uh, too much of a shit. What do, What do you think are the biggest implications of that change, other than obviously just the central sort of uh, moral question of the ring? But like in terms of the storytelling, what do you think is the biggest kind of impact of that? Well, it takes the story from being a tale about how ordinary people have the capacity to achieve great good and to resist great evil Mm. um, to returning it to a story about chosen ones and great heroes yeah which is precisely not what it's supposed to be yeah well i mean but the crucial i mean not to disagree with you because I think you're right, but perhaps the crucial rehabilitation there is that Frodo doesn't succeed there. You know, it's only by chance and, and, and by the presence of uh, Smeargle that he that the ring gets destroyed, right? Yes. So it's like... Uh, definitely it makes the function of the ring... Uh, different and therefore the function of people who resist it different but uh in the end the actual character who quote unquote destroys the ring at least he doesn't he isn't uh (sighs) imbued with some supernatural capacity to resist it no that's true which is just but it isn't a supernatural capacity yeah well, I mean, it would be under the, the formulation that Jackson's given, right? Yes. Without that uh, extra caveat. So at least... At, no, at, that's at, true. At very least, he didn't do that. At least it wasn't uh, worse. Oh, <laughs> uh, look. But, yeah. Based on the treatments that Jackson put together, it could have been a hell of a lot worse. Oh, really? I haven't um, heard of this. New Line Cinema completely saved it. How so? What was What was in the treatments that was so different? The treatments were going to have um, fights with uh, the Nazgul and Frodo and Sam on Mount Doom. Saruman uh, was going to be redeemed before he died. Okay. They were going to have all sorts of uh, ridiculous side adventures. Unfortunately, I've not got the document in front of me. Yeah, but it sounds a bit... It was really incoherent. I mean, Saruman being redeemed is the weird one because, like, people... I mean, one of the big sort of omissions from the third film is there's... uh, And you can understand why from a screen structure perspective, but there's no scouring of the Shire section. No, and a good... I think a good thing. Yeah, probably. I don't think it's necessary. The way that the film was told... Yeah. uh, The scouring of the Shire's... Probably best handled as its own movie anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you, but it's interesting that Jackson wanted to have a Saruman, like, uh, penitent on his deathbed kind of scene when in the original books, 
you know, he goes and becomes a tyrant in the Shire and then he gets his fucking throat cut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, an extremely ignoble end. In a way, um, Saruman's redemption, if he has any redemption, mm. is um, sort of the madness of Denethor. Yeah. You know, it's the fact that you don't have to have ill intent to become an agent of evil. Yeah. There's definitely uh, but, some more. I mean, I, I'm kind of coming around to uh, to something here based on what you're saying that like there could have, there was this opportunity to really drive home the tragedy of this shit, that it's not just people uh, being manipulated by some spooky force or whatever, but like the real tragedy there of otherwise good people uh, being compelled for whatever reason to choose extremely harmful kind of uh, ways of living. It could have been an interesting thing to dig into rather than just like, Saruman is secretly a baddie. Well, Saruman is um, a centrist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He believes that you can't trust working classes. Yeah. And that you have to employ authoritarian capital <laughs> in order to properly shape society. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> yes, Darcy, the this end, is the analysis. He'd rather have. make a deal with Sauron than risk leaving things to the people. Yeah. We need to get a, a one of those Facebook videos where they paste uh, photos of other people over moving images and get a photo of Dan Andrews on Saruman. <laughs> Saruman's head while he's making the Urukai and overlaid with the speech about increasing police presence. Do you know how the police were first created? <laughs> they were criminals. <laughs> Tortured beyond recognition. <laughs> mm. Oh, I just got a text message from Centrelink, Darcy. Oh, that's good. Uh, let's find out uh, on air whether my low-income healthcare card assessment was... Uh, accepted or declined it should be accepted because i fucking earned fuck all at the start of this year i've been trying to repay them oh they've yeah they've moved the money i owe bit yeah and now they're getting cross with me because i haven't been able to find it <laughs> <laughs> those fucking they're such villains well i wouldn't persevere with this reclaiming money project uh, from people who are receiving payments during this crisis. Yeah. Seems a bit stupid to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's... Are you, are you saying that something that Centrelink is doing is stupid? <laughs> I know. Normally I love the, uh, the mandarins and Centrelink, but... Yeah. Uh, all right, let's see. Let's see what's... Wait a second. What the fuck? That's from 2018, Darcy. That's the wrong that's, uh That's from two years ago. That's not the right... Oh, my God. Uh, I was expecting this to be uh, easier and not 
uh, not frustrating for the listener, but no. In actual <laughs> fact, in actual fact, it just sucks. Oh, you astound me, Holmes. Yeah, well, more fool me. Oh, my card will arrive within 14 days. Okay, so it was approved. That's good. Oh, wonderful. It means that at the very least, uh, I'm not eligible for any money and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, take it, but at very least, uh, I can ride on the tram slightly cheaper in this era where I'm not allowed to ride on the tram. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It should, you know, whatever, when, (laughs) when the work dries up, I'll... I'll be able to get cheap medication for my leprosy or whatever. <laughs> uh, I don't think hmm. uh, we'll have the antibodies for leprosy. Yeah, fuck, yeah. We've got to stop speaking things. We just have to stop saying terrible things because they keep happening. So <laughs> everybody just needs I don't to know. chill out. With we were me. very optimistic about uh, coronavirus, do you remember? Yeah, I do remember. <laughs> but then some dipshit on some podcast made a joke about, like, what if it does turn out to be a global pandemic that shuts down the world's economies, and then it happens. So, you know, <laughs> it's not just us. Everybody needs to shut the fuck up with their pessimistic predictions because they're all coming true. Like uh, like the secret wonders. Yeah, yep. Yep, 100%. So if we can just get every individual to change their own personal behavior, it's the neoliberal approach to uh, to lathe of heaven stopping. I don't know what the fuck well, I'm saying. Well, you know, it's perfectly sound, Kieran. Mm. I don't see why you wouldn't be able to coordinate such a thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it should be simple. It should be simple. If we just set up an abstruse market solution based on tax refunds, uh, we should be able to do it. Market solutions. Market solutions. Ah, I have a headache. Uh, On the bright side, it's the um, Easter sale on the PlayStation Store. Ooh, very nice. I just got L.A. Noir. And oh, all of the nice. Bioshocks oh. for 40 bucks. Cool. What a qualified success that is. I know. The first Bioshock is meant to be good. Bioshock Infinite was okay. It's fun. Yeah. The ending's a bit incoherent, by which I mean completely. It's a little silly. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Doing yeah. Um, time travel and the multiverse is really making life difficult for yourself when you're just trying to do a shoot 'em up game. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what the like what the value is there beyond wanting to wow people like they did with the first one, which I haven't played, but you know, I I know the the twist and everything and the and the and the thing, but like beyond wanting to shock people, I don't know what the value there is. Other than the alternate universe where it's revealed that actually the working class people are villains. <laughs> well, that's not uh, 
that's not completely fair. Isn't it just <laughs> that you you have to be wary of revolutionary leaders? I mean, that's <laughs> the very generous interpretation. Sure, yeah. <laughs> if you want your uh, if you and want... it's a general idea of hopelessness. Yeah, because the capitalist utopia has also failed. Yeah, I guess they're just saying that people don't deserve a flying uh, city. Well, people don't. Yeah. Maybe we could become primitivists and go back to Hamlet life. Um, I have been playing Sekiro again. I started, uh, at, I started at the start. I'm nearly back up to the, to the end again. Been smashing through it. I'll tell you what, that is a, this is true of all Dark Souls that like you get good at them the first time, uh, around and then they're sort of a bit more f- fun the second time around. Cause you know what you're doing a bit more. Uh, yeah. it's the trade off between the like very strong sense of dread that you get the first time versus the fun of actually not ha- getting your shit pushed in every five seconds. So that's doubly true of Sekiro. Cause like the, the, abilities that you learn towards the end of that game or really like starting with uh Genichiro the sort of like halfway point boss uh or third way through boss uh when you know that shit the start of the game is a cakewalk there are bosses that like fucked me up the first time I played it that I've beat first shot easily this time around so it's fun it's um Sekiro is a similar mechanic to the Souls games, but you play a sort of Senkoku-era samurai. Yeah, you play a shinobi, uh, actually, Darcy, a shinobi, not a samurai. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> He's got one of those Japanese swords. Yes, he does have one of those Japanese swords. Yeah, it's... It, started out apparently as a Tenchu game. So it's kind of like it's similar mechanics to Dark Souls in a sense, like in that it's like bumper buttons for block and attack and stuff, but uh, a little bit more stealth based and the, the combat system is based around, not around removing their health, but breaking their posture. So it's like <laughs> about... Uh, deflecting like parrying and stuff and it makes for some extremely cinematic uh boss fights i'll tell you what but it's a great game it's a fucking cracker a nice little like uh, we were talking about uh like christian horror uh mm. a little while ago this is like buddhist horror it's kind of, it's like a historical thing but it's got this kind of supernatural element to it and it's quite cool I like the idea of Buddhist horror. Yeah, it's very good, man. So I've been playing through that. Uh, Is there really a giant monkey that throws poo at you? Yes. Yeah, the guardian ape. (laughs) Who you fight twice. Uh, Yeah, it's good. It's, uh, It's just a neat little fucking story and a really fun... Uh aesthetic kind of situation after the like relentless European darkness of dark souls. It's kind of good to, you know, Japanese interpretation of European 
darkness. Mm. Uh, it's it's nice to kind of slip into a slightly different thing where everybody speaks in Japanese and there's a lot of like kind of voice <laughs> acting, which is really fun. And uh, it is, isn't it? Is um and this game has a obviously it's not about the undead in the same way. So you've got a slightly more enjoyable uh, world to run around. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's about immortality, kind of. Uh, so there's there's a little bit of undead stuff in there, but it's really about uh, uh, humans trying to become immortal. But it's set against this independent uh, uh, sort of state in feudal Japan called Ashina, which is, uh, so like all of the people that you kind of come up against, are, are soldiers working for these, for, uh, the Ashina leaderships, leadership. And, uh, so like, there's this whole like immortality kind of thing that you're going, that is your main sort of drive and quest or whatever, but it's set against this conflict between Ashina and like the, Ministry of the Interior, which I really like when it's like, oh, what's the force that's like coming to to invade our land? And it's the Interior Ministry. Like there's something <laughs> really just fucking just funny about that. And the Interior Ministry has its own kind of like ninja dudes and whatever. I do like the way you get these um, incredibly prosaic government organizations in medieval yeah. Japanese and and Chinese, uh, stories. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's fucking, it's, it's very good. There's a, uh, there's a lot, uh, to recommend it. Uh, but I was hoping this, uh, this is all setting up, uh, to ask you, Darcy, I was wondering if you could help me, uh, pick pick like the order of the shit that I'm going to play next. Cause that's what I'm going to be doing with most of my spare time. Probably that I'm not using, uh, not using for like study or work. So if I read out some, some names of games to you and then you can help me decide what I'm going to play. How All right. Sound? All right. So we've got just cause three. Uh, Deus Ex, which I never played, and Deus Ex Human Revolution, but I would probably play the first one before the second one. No, you mustn't do them in order. Uh, what else? Outlast 2, which I played about a third of, uh, with Murray, but, you know, we never got together to finish it. Uh, so I'm going to do it by myself. Fuck him. Uh, what else have we got here? <laughs> well, I'm not going to... Yeah, I don't know. He had his chance. Uh, fuck, there were others as well. Uh, XCOM 2, which I never finished. So it would be... No, a, I haven't finished XCOM 2. It would be a, it would be a replay, but, uh, uh, you know... It's a great fucking... I love the XCOM games. I keep running out of soldiers. It's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That can be a problem. 
what else? Let me hold on. I'm nearly at the end of my list. Uh, Far Cry Five, which would be a replay. Stardew Valley, which would be a replay. Oh, and it, The Witcher Three, which I've got to get back to at some point. Is um, Far Cry Five? Is that the one that's set in rural America, or is it the one that's set in sort of Nepal? Uh, it's the one set in rural America. The Nepal one is four. Uh, is it fun? Uh, yeah. I like. I, I hesitate here because it's got mixed reviews because uh, different people object to the writing for different reasons. What they tried to do was play the middle so that they couldn't be accused of being anti-conservative or anti-left-wing, and what they instead ended up doing was pissing off conservatives, uh... And pissing off left-wingers like me, who think that the game is too conservative. Uh, the, the writing is just okay. It's nothing special. But for some reason, I think that everybody has the kind of platonic ideal of any given genre of game. And for some reason, the like single-player first-person shooter experience, for me, the platonic ideal is kind of the Far Cry games. For whatever reason, they just they just press the dopamine button in my brain. So even though it's not as good as uh, three or four, it's still I f I find it really fun, and I you know I bomb through them pretty quickly. I get you. So if you like the mechanics, you'll like it. Um, I'll probably like it then. Yeah, I think you I think you would, and it's fun. Like the writing is uh, there are problems with the writing, but it's interesting enough that I think you would enjoy the experience. Uh, well, I yeah. definitely want to see how you attempt to appease both progressives and conservatives with a single cultural artifact. It sounds uh, well, they're definitely, most interesting. They're definitely trying to appease conservatives the most, but like the central uh, antagonists are a Christian apocalypse cult which is particularly like you know usually aligned with uh the right wing of politics but what they kind of end up doing is make the apocalypse cult largely apolitical and then the regular good old people of of montana or wherever the fuck it's set uh all are all like retired soldiers or cops so it's it's got a lot of like you know, uh, good conservative American fucking hero worship kind of bullshit in it essentially. So it, well, yeah, that's to be expected. Yeah, unlike the helpless islanders and poor alpine folk of the previous games. Yeah, they also do this thing where it's like it's it's clearly like fairly conservative rural towns but like with a perfect distribution of races uh both in and out of the cult so it's just like nobody's remarking on how strange it is that in a tiny town in outback montana like the store owner is asian uh the guy who runs the church is black uh there's a woman who runs a, a fucking like general store or whatever and everybody's fine with it which is utopian or whatever. I get it, but it's not fucking America. And then no. the cult is the same way. It's like that. Uh, yeah. Anything that which pretends that race is not an issue in America is a pure fantasy. Uh, 
which it is, but you know, it's uh, it's interesting. That sounds quite sweet. I um, I think you should have a go at the Deus Exes though. Deus Exes first, you reckon? Yeah. Once I'm done with Sekiro, I got to do Dark Souls so. too as well. That's also on the thing. All right, so. I'll do and it'll be a nice treat for you after playing a From Software game because you'll you'll be able to just run around like an invincible god, yeah. destroying everything. Cool. All right, I'll put the Deus Exes at the top. What? Are, so you don't you don't rate Outlast two? Not especially. Did you um, Did you like the first one? I did. Yeah, I like. Yeah, the first I don't one. know why I didn't like the second one. I possibly just wasn't in a good mood for that kind of thing yeah yeah I mean fair enough alright well I'll do Deus Exes first I might put Just Cause 3 below them just because I haven't played Just Cause 3 yet and those games are pretty fun um and then then it's all replays man I've been told um no, it's well worth finishing. Uh, XCOM 2 as well. Yeah, I might put XCOM 2. Apparently it's a wonderful sense of achievement. Good. I got pretty close. I got quite far in. Uh, I think I fought one avatar, which are the kind of, you know, last enemies that you fight. And I think there's like maybe three or four of them that you fight in the last few missions. So I got close. I just put it down for some reason, and I'm not sure why. Well, probably uh, you got quite stressed. Yeah, I mean, quite possibly. I have too many games. It only takes one mission. Yeah, yeah, to completely completely destroy the entire game. I feel like, and I can't remember if this is true or not, but I feel like... uh, I got over that hump though, where I had like, you know, when in those sorts of things where it's like, you're struggling for resources the whole time and struggling to maintain like experience. But I feel like I'd maybe clicked over that hump where you kind of finally get maybe two full teams of experienced soldiers or something, you know? It happens in the first game around the time you get that archangel armor and your snipers can just fucking destroy people from across the map. I don't remember exactly. Yes, the beautiful moment you get your A squad and B squad sort of map. There's all these other fucking games that I've gotten through Humble Bundle that, like, I'll probably never play. But, like, Earth Defense Force. Uh, Oh, Hitman. I want to do the Hitman, the new Hitman one i got paradigm here i got path of exile which you know is a sort of like Baldur's gate style thing oh, i don't know anything about these yeah too much bullshit darcy i gotta fucking unsubscribe <laughs> from humble humble bundle it's just making me stressed yeah get yourself into red dead redemption yeah i want to do red dead as well how much the problem the magical is, world the problem is that uh that rockstar games never fucking go on sale 
it's still no, they're a bit it, like that. It's still fucking ninety dollars. I got my copy on sale. Okay, I'll add but it to my uh, wish list and I'll I'll keep. It's only cost the. Hmm. I'll keep an eye out for a sale, but at the moment it's ninety. Well, my lag's gotten appalling. It's bound to happen, you know. They've remade Resident Evil Three. Nice. <laughs> what? What are you laughing about? Nothing good. Okay. <laughs> good. It's the rest of the episode. Just going to be you consulting the uh, the, <laughs> the sales brochure. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe I will. Let's let's see. Uh, <laughs> what what's on sale today? Our new segment, uh, Mountain Blade Two Bannerlord is out. People have been talking about that for a while, huh? Something called Walsen, which is just just close enough to incel. <laughs> uh, but it's some derivative fantasy bullshit by the looks of it. Heroes and Generals, Darcy. Did you ever play Heroes and Generals? I didn't. No, I bet Murray did. Uh, there's a Dragon Ball Z game, Kakarot, Doom Eternal. No, no, don't buy, uh, don't buy Dragon Ball Z, but, uh, Doom Eternal looks good. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I've been meaning to get around to Doom 2016 for a little bit. Is it 2016 that it came out? It, yeah. For fuck's sake, that was a while ago. It's an incredibly fun game. Yeah, yeah, I've heard so. I really... Even uh, I like it. Yeah, that's saying something. There you go. Oh no, there's some gigantic humble bundle with like 70 fucking games, Darcy. This has to stop. I'm clicking back over to Reaper. Uh, I can't... <laughs> I have enough shit already to last me the next two years if I choose. But, you know, whatever. Maybe if I catch COVID-19, that'll be my project. If you catch COVID-19, you'll have to move out. Um, maybe. You kill meds. But where would I move to, Darcy? I can't move in with my parents. They're fucking elderly. You know. Why don't you break into the house or the, the unit next door? There's somebody living there. I thought you lived in the country. What? Didn't you live in the country? What are you talking about? You know, the unit next to you. Uh, in the middle. No, 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 no. Uh, the the guy who owns that, his daughter lives there. Uh. She's lived there for a while. But yeah, yeah, yeah. When you were here, it was mostly empty. He lives in Tasmania, I think. Oh, no, don't go to Tasmania. No. No, no, no. No risk of that. I love Tasmania. But, uh... I'm not going to go there. To well, they've closed of, the border, haven't they? Yeah, they've Madagascar it in that that epidemic video game. Did you re actually speaking of um, Tasmania? Yeah. Uh, a 
according to the old scientists, the old scientific community, the the researchers, the professors and doctors and yeah, so forth, let the assistant the, the boffins. field workers survey take yeah the statisticians mm. uh, we could have the sea back in 30 years where the sea back you mean like Tas? what do you, what do you mean by that well just tasmania reminds me of the sea it's a sort of nautical place in my imagination yeah i guess so and uh if we get to uh, cracking mm. on trying to fix the sea yeah. Apparently. Can have it back in 30 years. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty It'll good. It'll be handy. Yeah. Because, of course, it produces most of the oxygen. Yeah, it is an important uh, feature, the water feature. It would be good to have the sea back. And then we can start to overfish it again. Yeah. We could do these boom and bust cycles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With life on Earth instead of just money. Yeah, a hundred percent. The the it's a bear market for overfishing. Every a cyclical resurgence of that uh, the Welsh fishing guy, uh, Ewan McCall. Ewan McCall. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice to have the ocean back. Joel would be really nice. What? Would have been if. Um, Ewan McCall had written some of the songs for the world of Middle-earth. Yeah. I think it's very important when fantasy writers are setting up their little parallel universes that they don't monopolize the lyrics. Yeah. You need to get other people to do the songs and poems and things. You can't do them all yourself. Well, this is part of the the uh, problem with fantasy always is, like, creating culture. And, yeah, it's so seldom done well. Uh, do you remember that scene in the Molestown brothel in Game of Thrones when the customers are playing the um, guest the song? Yeah. And his first guess is, well, was it the reigns of Castamere? Mm. And his second guess is the bear and the maiden fair. Yeah. Which is the other song. The other song that exists in that universe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they almost had a good thing going having the, the guest musicians a few times. So you had, you know, the national during the reigns of Castamere and then, but then having the hold steady do a version of the bear and the maiden fair meant that it was just bands covering their yes. songs. And like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta get more culture in there. I think the biggest like, uh, example of that is like Morrowind versus oblivion, right? Uh, where, with Michael Kirkbride working on Morrowind, you had somebody who was like quite, his whole thing was comparative fucking studies. So he was quite good at, at, at manufacturing different cultures and creating a a sense of rich world. Still not as good as getting a bunch of other people to do culture or whatever, but he was just particularly good at that thing. And then you get to oblivion and it's all just fucking what's his face. Todd, uh, Todd Howard. Yeah. And it's just like the most flat, 
generic fucking place ever with no sense of like life or culture to it. It and, was as yeah. medieval Europe 101, wasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, you're right. If if they got people like you and McCall to come in and do uh some fucking some some music for it, it would be good. Uh, you get you and McCall, you can do the dwarf stuff. Yeah. You can have, you know, Enya can do some elf stuff. Yeah. I mean the strongest that the music well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying exactly because Lord of the Rings generally has had pretty good music, but like they had a real romper hit on their hands with that Misty Mountains song. Precisely because they honored that kind of folk vibe, but even then it was a little they were like, that's it. That's enough. <laughs> One good song is what yeah, the marketing true. team needs. Uh, strange times, Darcy. Do you want to wrap I this up? So. We've been talk- talking for an hour. Have we? Yeah. Yes, let's wrap it up. And uh, try to keep, uh, keep our spirits up. Yeah. Why don't you, listeners, mm. write in uh, with some essays and opinions yeah. and tell me whether or not you agree with my assessment of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings massacre. Yeah. Yep. Do that. Tell, tell, tell Darcy how he's doing. I also want to extend an invitation to the listeners to write in. I'm curious, uh, about the strange little, because we're so fucking interconnected generally. But I'm curious about the strange little individual expressions of of, of uh, lockdown, your your strange, unexpected, turbulent or quiet emotional experiences in lockdown. Uh, if you find yourself inexplicably angry at the family cat, if you find yourself uh, reminiscing about something that you haven't thought of for for fifteen or twenty years or whatever. If you've got some weird kind of uh, thing that you've experienced in lockdown or quarantine, write in and uh, we'll talk talk about it because I'm fascinated by this topic. And we can balance it. The fun of talking about Lord of the Rings and whether Darcy's a, a, a fascist or a purist, uh, we can balance that fun stuff with then, uh, I don't know, your your bleak stories about isolation in the age of COVID nineteen. Having to trade bags of rice for mere cans of beans, exactly. such as the restrictions on commerce. Exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a weakness for bleakness at gmail dot com. No tricks with the spelling. Ha ha, etc. Uh, you can follow at week for bleak on Twitter. If that account is still doing anything, I don't know. It's a robot. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's battling along very admirably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think that's it. We'll see you next week at some point. I'll try and do more research into how to do a fucking recording without some terrible, uh, fucking technical glitch. Oh, well, that sounds splendid. And um, perhaps everybody could club together, buy me a better microphone. 
Yeah, that would be something. Totally much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could get you a, a nice basic audio technica uh, vocal mic. That would be good. At the moment, I'm using the Razer Kraken X. The Razer Kraken X. Wow. They really don't fuck around at Razer, do they, when it comes to naming stuff? They don't. What's the Just when it comes to developing microphones. What's the logic behind Kraken as a piece of audio equipment? I don't know. Perhaps because the Kraken was supposed to be blind, perhaps they assumed that, therefore, it has particularly acute hearing. <laughs> yeah. It's a fairly uh, abstruse kind of... Uh, approach to, to product nomenclature, but I can believe it. It's also entirely possible that it's just part of America's creepy fetishization of Nordic culture. Yeah, I think it's just they have a list of cool words and they just pick them at random when they release a new packet, uh, a new product. So it's like, here, uh, we'll make this microphone. This is the Kraken. Uh, we got a new mouse out. That can be the uh, the the rock with a C, R-O-C. Yeah, uh, good. Our Quetzal Coatl keyboard. keyboard. Yeah. Dragon Tooth keyboard. Yeah, Dragon Tooth. We got uh, the Wolfsbane webcam. Uh, yeah. Do you know what it reminds me of that? Um, what's the name of that magazine in Nation Bari? It's called Sugar Rape. Yeah, but yeah. we hid in the word sugar, so it just says rape. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> rape magazine. Yeah. Nathan Bali is fucking... God damn. Is that ever the fucking Lovecraft-style perfectly predict everything text? Yeah. My word. Yeah. That was... Um, Perfect collaboration of Brooker and Morris, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Both at the peak of their fucking Well, I mean I guess Booker had a had a rise for a while after, but but definitely two people at the top of their game. And Julian Barrett. Trying to find The Great Julian Barrett. The great Julian Barrett trying to find something with a bit of weight to <laughs> to offset the Howard Moon the beloved Howard Moon character. Do you think he was recuperating from years on tour with um, Noel? I think that I don't think that he like resented the Bush stuff at all. But like I've read interviews with him, and I do get the impression that he is the sort of person who would wake up sweating at the thought of being stereotyped as Howard Moon, or like typecast. Yeah. So like he I clearly, think that's a fair read. He clearly loves playing characters like that. Like. Uh, he did Mindhorn recently, and that's a similar kind of like ridiculous uh, person. But I can see why he did the <laughs> the left move to somebody with a bit of fucking uh, actual intelligence. Yeah, yeah, smarts like qualified intelligence in the case of the Dan Ashcroft character. But yeah, not just a boob, but uh, a person as well. Oh, yeah. It's a goodbye from me, Kieran. It's a goodbye from me. I've got to devote the rest of the day to my assignment. Oh, goody for you! 
<laughs> I think I've got the day off, basically. There's shit that I could do, but I've been working fucking hard last week, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the day off. I suggest you uh, finish off XCOM then. Well, no, I'm gonna do second. I haven't finished it yet, Darcy. Uh, but when I when I finish Sekiro, then I'll do Deus Ex. I think was the next. Yeah, that's right. Was too. And then I'll get around to XCOM too. <laughs> Blowing up a surgical glove like a balloon. I'm going out of my fucking mind, Darcy. It's not unique, but you know. <laughs> All right, listener. No. See you next week. Farewell, listener. Bye bye.